All right, so we're going to be going into Judges. So turn to Judges chapter 6 real quick. On, on, during the summer, on Wednesday night, starting at 6 o'clock, Pastor Steve is hosting a Bible study, uh, an adult Bible study for everyone who wants to participate and join. Um, in, they're going, walking through the book of Judges. Are you going by chapter by chapter? How's that working out? Okay. Well, uh, the, yeah, what, whatever, right? So, uh, but they're going through the book of Judges. How many of you guys ever read Judges all the way through? Yeah, it's kind of a crazy, crazy book, isn't it? It's kind of a wild, a wild book, a wild story, and of uh, Gideon and, and, and all the other things that take place in there. But we're going to focus a little bit on Gideon. And so I want to, just want to personally invite you to come on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock p.m. for Pastor Steve's uh, Bible study. Going through the book of Judges is a great time. So, um, you know, this, this story of Gideon in Judges, actually, it confronts of what we talked about last week. Um, which is the lie of insignificance. Now, for those of you who are new here with us, thank you guys so much for coming. Um, again, just just open your camera up, just scroll over that that sticker right in front of you, and it'll take you right to a website where you can fill out information. And I promise you, we won't spam you. We just want to get to know you. But um, we're going through a series called "Hosting His Presence: Unveiling Heaven's Agenda." Um, how many guys believe that God really did call us to be with Him? Because, you know, the, the idea has been, and maybe it's still prevalent in today's world, in today's culture, is uh, that God is up there, right? I remember talking to a guy one time at uh, Casey's. Anyone know who Casey's is? I remember talking to a guy at Casey's while I was in Minnesota, and he says, I just don't want to make the big guy upstairs mad at me. And th that's, how, that's how people think about God. They think that he's just someone up in the sky, that he's ready to strike lightning down on us whenever we attempt to do something wrong, whenever we have a bad thought, or whatever happens, whenever we disobey him, that he's going to cause all this stuff to happen to us. And make, I just want to encourage you today that God loves you, <laughs> right? He loves you, and it is his will to be with you. He values you enough to let you know that he wants to be with you in everything that you go through, every situation, every detail in your life, that he is there with you. And the lie of insignificance really is this lie that has been spoken over to us by the enemy, which we choose to believe when we feel that we're insignificant. And by insignificant, what I mean is this. There are things that we're great at. There are things that we're not good at. But the insignificance part is the lies the enemy speaks to you about who you once were in the past and still tries to bring that up to you to dictate your future, right? You were once this kind of a person, but when you came to Jesus, Jesus delivered you. He set you free. He actually redeemed you of, of every, he redeemed your life, okay? He set you free. He cut that past loose. Right? But that enemy, the devil, still loves to come like a roaring lion, coming and try to bring that past back up. So therefore, we see, have the tendency sometimes to see ourselves as insignificant when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what God has called us to, when, we, when it comes to finding our value in him. See, if we're truly going to host God's presence, we have to understand that he actually wants to be with us. And that when he redeemed us, he didn't just redeem us as a great word. He redeemed us and restored us to something greater. I don't think he heard me. He actually restored us to a greater place because that's what redemption means. It doesn't mean that he just bought us back. It means that he actually restored everything that the enemy tried to take away. He gave you back plus then yes. and plus some. So we're going to talk about Gideon here. And uh, the title of my message today is called Empowered by His Presence. Empowered by His Presence. 
So before we go into this, you know, I mean, Gideon, the famous story of Gideon is the angel came and, and told Gideon, man of valor. He called him a man of valor. You guys tracking with me? Okay, he called him a man of valor. Now, before we get into that, let's go into the context of setting that up and where we're at. I'm gonna paraphrase a lot, okay, because we're gonna go through the word, but before we get there, it's gonna paraphrase, all right? So Israel, before that actually happened, had been beaten down. The Midianites, the Amicalites, and they would come and destroy their crop and steal their crop and, and produce, because they didn't want Israel to be higher and mightier than, than all the other nations and countries around them, right? So these nations and all these people would come and they would destroy everything. Everything that was in the path of, of, of Israel, they would come and destroy and try to subdue them, try to suppress them, try to oppress them, basically going back into slavery. And this happened so much that at one point, the Israelites, they lived in such fear that they began to worship these false gods of the Amicalites, of the Mennonites, of the Amorites, all these people, they begin to worship these false gods. And this is where we pick up in Judges chapter six, verse 10. And it says this, this is the Lord speaking. He says, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You should not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. You should not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. So basically God is saying, don't fear the God of the Amorites. Don't fear, don't fear the power of which they bring over you. But then he says right in the next breath, but you have disobeyed me. So basically what he's saying is, don't fear, but you've disobeyed me. How does God know that they actually, diso- that they actually disobeyed? Because they were found worshiping these other gods. They were found worshiping besides the true God. They found worshiping these other gods. And I, and I got to thinking about this and I thought, What you fear infects what you worship. What you fear infects, like an infection, infects your worship. Here's what I mean. What happens to a person who fears going broke and not having any money? What do they do? If they fear going broke, if they fear not having enough, right? They hold on to that money tightly, don't they? They hold on to that in a place where they don't give because not because they're, they're selfish or, or, or just self-centered or anything like that. They fear not having enough. They fear that they're going to go broke. They fear, and fear is actually driving the intention behind why they are holding on to that. And what did Jesus say about that? He said, you will love one and hate the other, or you will hold the one and despise the other. That's what Jesus said. Now, I know this is talking about finances and we're not talking about finances today, but this is a good illustration of fear infecting what we worship. So what Jesus is really saying, he says this, if you hate the system of money and finances and the, and the, and the, maybe the, the confidence they may bring you rather than confidence in Christ, if, if the, 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 the foundation that it brings rather than the foundation. If you love that system more than you love God, what we're actually doing is we're worshiping the God of money more than we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You either have to hate one and love the other. You have to despise one and, just, or, or, and, and, and love the other one. Either which way, it ha- you, there's no in-between ground when it comes to that. So literally, fear can infect what you worship. Literally, fear can be so, you can be so driven by fear 
that you actually put above the situation, the details, the circumstances that you're dealing with. You put that above God. I don't know about you, but God can take care of anything, amen? The Bible's true. It says with God, all things are possible. It doesn't say, it doesn't say a little things are possible. It doesn't, doesn't say uh, uh, some things are, are possible. It says all things are possible with Christ. All things are possible with God. So why as believers do we not believe that all things literally are possible with God? It's because sometimes we're driven by that fear. We think we can do it better than God or we're afraid of surrendering that over to God. So therefore, we actually elevate what we're afraid of above God. And this is what's happening in this story. How did fear influence the Israelites? God said, don't fear the Amorites and they allowed fear to grip them and then in return began to worship the God of the Amorites. So the Lord comes along. I'm giving you the context here. The Lord comes along and comes to Gideon, which by the way, he's hiding away. The Bible actually says that he's hiding in a wine press. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. There's a message there, I won't go there, okay? Has to do with the word and the spirit. But he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Judges chapter six, verse 11, he says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So here he is, he's afraid of what the Midianites are gonna take from him. So there, he's hiding in a wine press, hiding all the produce so that way no one's, he's afraid. Fear is driving him to do such things. So here's Gideon, he's hiding in the wine press and the angel says to him, in Judges chapter six, 12 through 13, as we continue on, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. The new King James says it, O mighty man of valor. Verse 13, then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, why then has all these things happened to us? Let me just pause right there and just ask you that same question. How many of you guys have ever been to that place before? If you really truly think that God is with us, why don't you see it evident in your life? And you go, if you're really with us, why don't we see these miracles? Come on, somebody, that's real deal stuff. There's people right now who are rejecting the idea of signs, wonders, and miracles because they don't see the evidence in their life. I want to encourage you today that God still heals and he still delivers and he still sets the captives free today. All it takes is just one word from God to change a life. That's it. And we've all been in this place before where we've actually had to argue and have a conversation and maybe even rebuttal God a little bit. Well, if it's true, if you're really with us and you're really calling me a valiant warrior, then why aren't these things happening? And this is what Gideon is saying. He goes on to say, and where did all of his miracles, I can just see Gideon say this right now with a little bit of sass. Oh yeah? If I'm such a valiant warrior, then where's all these miracles that my father's talked about? Can't you just hear our story in there? If God really wants to move in our nation, why aren't we seeing miracles like we did before? Come on. This is real stuff, man. Because out of your mouth, I've heard you say that before. Or we say things like, we just need to get back to where we're going. I'm telling you, God is in the process, in the move right now to create and to do something brand new within our nation. 
and within our country, within our community, within our city, within our churches, within our families. And we have to follow him. So moving on. Where did all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did the Lord not bring us up out from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. I don't know about you, but if a big old angel shows up right now in the middle of this church service, which I believe that there's angels present, to be, to be honest with you, you can, you can take that for what it's worth. But just if we had visibly seen just a big, right, just a big old angel come up and, and then call us and call you a valiant warrior, I don't know if I would argue with the angel. Would you? But here's Gideon, he's having this conversation and he's having this rebuttal. He's saying, oh, the angel says, oh, mighty, mind of valor. And we go, Gideon goes, oh yeah? If that's really true, then where's all this stuff? See, he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor, even though Gideon is hiding. Come on, there's, there's something here. The angel of the Lord, which always in the Old Testament, if you read into it, the angel of the Lord actually represents God, the Lord. And so here's the Lord telling Gideon and calling him, you mighty man of valor, even though the mighty man of valor is hiding away. And I love this story. And at some point in our lives, everybody in this room, if it's not happened yet, it will. He will call you by your name. See, he called Peter a rock at his most broken time. You guys remember the story? He called Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. When Peter had all the doubts, he had all the questions, he didn't really feel like he could. Peter called him for what he saw him as. Jesus called him for what he saw Peter as. God called Gideon, not for what he was doing in the moment, but for who he saw him as. And today, God is calling you, not by who you were, not even about how you see yourself. God is calling you for who you really are. See, the Lord has a name for you that is opposite of your greatest weakness. Let me say that again. Take a picture of that so you can remind yourself tomorrow morning. The Lord has a name for you that is opposite of you, of your greatest weakness. He calls you by name to call you out of what's crippled you. See, when I was a youth pastor, believe it or not, I was a youth pastor. I still feel like a teenager. Honestly, except at 6.30 in the morning. I get up out of bed, I crack, crack, kick, clack, 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 clack. I sit at the edge of my bed, you know, literally living the dad life, right? And uh, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, yeah, I'm 47 years old, but I feel, it was a mechanic. I'm 47 years old, but I feel like I'm 19. And mentally, I feel like I'm 19, but my body don't feel 19, trust me, right? So I remember as a youth pastor in Minnesota, we had some rowdy teenagers. I know Pastor Lupe doesn't deal with any rowdy boys here, all right? They're perfect little angels. They sit on their seats with their hands on their laps, and they raise their hand when they're asked a question, and, I know that happens with him because he's awesome. But me, I wasn't that awesome. So I had some rowdy, rowdy teenagers, rowdy boys. And they would always cause problems. I, 
Uh, I remember, you know, breaking things all the time, <laughs> you know, um, all these things. I mean, who's, who's with me, right? But the, the real issue is that I, I, I fell right into that category too. I mean, I, mean I, I would break windows by accident. I just, I was like, yeah, count me in, I'm a teenager too. So I felt at home with these rowdy boys. And I remember standing, I remember standing at the, uh, at the doors, the front doors of our church in, in Sherburne, Minnesota, and I'm standing there and I'm watching these rowdy kids, these awesome men and women of God playing football, hanging out outside on, in, in the parking lot. And they're, you know, it's, cement, it's a cement driveway and they're tackling each other full force, okay? When you're teens, you can do that. Nobody cares, okay? Your mom and dad care, but you, I mean, obviously you don't. You don't think about breaking arms. You don't think, you just go full out, right? And so here they are, they're doing this and they're messing around, they're all this kind of stuff. This parent walks up to me of one of the kids that's out there. He stands next to me and he's looking out, he's gazing outside with me. And I'm just, I'm literally just watching them, making sure number one, everyone's safe, right? Number two, I'm just praying for him, just going, man, thank God for, for the teenagers that are here. This parent walks up to me, this dad, and he says, um, man, look at all those kids out there. I'm like, yeah, isn't that awesome? He's like, no, they're a waste of space. Needless to say, I wanted to do prayer ministry and lay my hands on them that day, right? And I thought to myself in that moment, this was early on in my youth pastor days, I thought to myself in that moment that I'm no longer gonna see them as I see them, I wanna see them as God sees them. And so I began to change my language with those teenagers. It took a while, but I began to say, man, you're an awesome man of God. You're an awesome woman of God. You're an awesome man of God. Every time they made a mistake, you're an awesome man of God. Every time they made a mistake, you're an awesome woman of God. Every time they broke something, you're an awesome man of God. Listen, God's gonna take care of this, don't worry. I begin to just to change my language into speaking life into them of what, how God saw them rather than what the world around saw them. And then before you know it, their attitude began to shift and begin to change. I saw this shift in the thing take place where they begin to, they begin to transition and going, I really care about what God says about me. Here's the honest truth. Every, every single one of you is interested in knowing what God thinks about you. Every single one of us, even to the unbeliever, they might even believe in God, but they still wanna know what God thinks about them. Right, so here they are, I begin speaking life into them and their whole attitude began to shift and begin to change. They turned into leaders. They turned into people. Now, 30 some years later, I look back, right? And I get a phone call from one of the girls that was in my youth group. And she said this to me, she goes, hey pastor, I had this message yesterday that someone texted me, can I read it to you? And I said, absolutely. She, and, and then she said, this girl texted me and said, if it wasn't for youth group in Sherburne, Minnesota, I don't know if I'd be alive right now. But thanks, to, I remember, she said this, I remember going to this building where they had bands, then they had a rap concert, then they had a car contest with the loudest exhaust. That was me. We held that event, we actually called it Pip My Ride. The religious people got upset and they turned pimp into primp, okay? It was a TV show, okay? Right? Now I know what you're thinking. Why would you use the word pimp? Okay. Well back then that meant cool, right? 
So we did that, and I remember having three, about two to 300 students out there. I remember, I remember us um, renting out the movie theater where we had it close to three, 300 to 400 students there giving their lives to Jesus. I remember doing all those things. But because God worked in my heart to call them by name rather than calling them what I saw, but calling them what God saw, things begin to change. Now this girl goes, now I'm in, now I want a youth pastor. Now I'm in kids ministry. Pastor, will you, she, she called me, pastor, will you help me learn how to do this? And that's amazing because you never know the investments you're making. You never know the seeds that are being planted and being watered. I know, I know a lot of other people had a hand in that, but praise God, I had the opportunity to minister to this girl's life and all the rest of those students that I had, where now they're coming back 20-something years later and going, I need Jesus again. I remember when this happened. I remember when Pastor Jay called me a man and woman of God. I remember that. See, God calls you by who you are, not by what you think you are. So the story of Gideon gets really bizarre after this. And I'm gonna move forward from here. And I'm gonna fast forward to Judges chapter six, verse 34. And this is where we get into the context of hosting his presence. Caitlin, if you can come back up, please. How we're empowered by his presence. Judges chapter six, verse 34 says, so the spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing and he blew a trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called together to follow him. I want you to say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. covered Gideon. Let's say it one more time. The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. covered Gideon. I just feel like I gotta say this here for somebody. Anytime that God says, I'm gonna be with you, he doesn't just say it to remind you although that's part of the reason, but he says it because he's just giving you an impossible assignment to do on your own. Every time you see in the word, I am with you to the end of the age. I am with you, do not be afraid. Yeah, it helps us, it reminds us, it develops confidence, but really, confidence in what? That he's just with us? No, confidence in accomplishing the mission set before us. Because if you could do it in your own strength, why would you need God? You can't, you don't need him if you can do it in your own way, in your own strength. But God says, I am with you because what you're about to do is impossible with you. But with me, all things are possible. So here the Lord is with Gideon and he covered Gideon like a cloth. How many of you guys remember that story in the Bible in Luke chapter four when Jesus is basically quoting Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the good news, set the captives free. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You know, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. It's the same, it's the same parallel, if you will, of what God was saying to Gideon is the same thing Jesus felt during that time. And here the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon in the original language in the Hebrew, when you look into it, it actually means that the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. He clothed himself with Gideon. What does that mean? It simply means this, that God put Gideon in like a glove. He fitted him perfectly. He surrounded him. He was empowered by him. He fit him just like a glove. 
And I don't know about you, but that, that's not a clear picture of what the scripture means. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us to make his body his temple. That's what that means. He has clothed you. He's empowered you. Where every thought of the Father now becomes my thought. Everything the Father sees now becomes what I see. Every situation that I'm faced with, I come from a place of peace, power, and patience. Why? Because I am now clothed. I'm fitted. I'm covered with the Spirit of the Lord. That is who you are. You are empowered by his presence. So that way, when you hear what God called you to be, when you hear what God says about your name, when he calls you by name, you can, you can confidently stand in that place and say, I believe I will move forward to, to go and do this impossible task. Why? Because I'm empowered by his spirit. If you can, just turn to the person next to you and say, you're empowered by his spirit. Come on, let's prophesy of each other. You're empowered by his spirit. See, I've often thought, I've even said things like this before. I've often thought that God, does God really just want me to be a vessel that he flows through? Does he really want me just to get out of the way so I, he can be used, so, so that way he can use me the way that he wants to, right? I've said things like this. I've even prayed things like this, which are noble at the heart. I understand this, okay? But things are shifting. Things are changing. We say things and pray things like this. God, I'll get out of the way so you can move. I understand what we're saying. I, under, I, I get that. I've even said this recently. And again, understand what I'm saying. I say these things on purpose, right? But I've said things like, God, I just wanna be your conduit so your spirit can move through me. I wonder if we just simply entertain real quick what it would be like if we didn't pray that and we didn't say that and you say, God, you use me in my uniqueness. You use me how you created me. Rather than me getting out of the way, God, I wanna be in your way. I want you to clothe me with your spirit so I can be used by you the way you created me to be. When you look at the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them say the same thing, right? But they say it differently. Why? Because the disciples understood what this meant. They understood their uniqueness in Christ. They understood that they were created like each other. The message doesn't change, but the way that we do it, dare I say, it even complements the gospel. The way you illustrate that from your life. The way you illustrate that from your life is dependent on you being clothed in the Holy Spirit. Not just saying, God, God I'll get out of the way. I'll do it. No, God wants you with him. Do we understand that? That God wants you to be with him and he wants to be with you. He wants us to see the things that he sees. He wants us to walk according to the way that he walks. Not just get out of the way. God is, he wants us to be with him in this thing called revival, in this thing called reaching out to the world, in this thing called uh, transforming culture, in this thing called uh, evangelizing and winning souls and making disciples just the way that you are. If all of us were the same, why would we need each other? God says to us today, you are called by name for purpose, for a purpose. You're called by him on purpose, for purpose.
That's who you are. Pastor Jake, you don't understand all the stuff that I've gone through. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what I've come out of. It doesn't matter. You are a brand new person according to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you are called a valiant warrior this morning. Clothed like a glove. Fitted with his spirit. Empowered by his presence to go win souls and make disciples to go and encounter God, to go and represent the King of Kings, to illustrate the gospel message with your life. With your life. So what I wanna do here tonight, or today, sorry. So I'm going to just take the next few minutes. I'm just going to pray. But I feel like I got to say this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, it's talking about the father of Abraham. Father Abraham. The author, the, not the author, but the, the father of our faith. And it says this, but as it is, they desire a better country. This is in Hebrews 11. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, this is where I want to focus just real quick. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. How many of you guys believe that God lives inside of you? He lives in you, but he's also on you. He's around you. He's empowered you to illustrate, to reflect who he is to the world that we live in every day. And we have to come to an understanding and a revelation that God is not ashamed of us. God is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to be called your God. All the stuff going on, all the things happening, God says, I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my son, proud of my daughters. I'm proud of the kings and the queens. I'm proud of the priestly ministry that they bring. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of you. I can just picture Jesus right now looking to the Father and saying, you see those people? I love them so much. I'm so proud to be called their God. That God actually stands in front of you and wars for you. Because he's proud to be called your dad. He's proud to be called your dad your God. So what I want to pray is I want to pray to realize that his spirit and his presence has empowered us to impact the world around us and that we get to illustrate his message through our uniqueness, the way God calls us, the way he created us, all your quirkiness, right? We know that some of you are super quirky. Got that, got that twitch, you know? But it's okay. God loves you, and he wants to use you, and he's proud of you. So when we talk about hosting his presence, it's understanding that he's so in love with us that he fits us with his presence everywhere we go. 
to illustrate and reflect his message. So can we pray this morning for a realization and a revelation to come? So Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us realize who we are, number one, in you, who we're called to be. Father, what you've called us to be, who you've called us to be, our uniqueness, the way you created us, the way you formed us in our mother's womb. The Bible says that we are God's craftsmanship, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works in advance prepared by him. That word workmanship, that word craftsmanship is actually the word poema in the Greek, which literally means poem. You are crafted as a poem, thought out to be written on your heart, on his heart in the culture of this world. So Father, I just pray that we would walk in confidence and realize that we are called by you and that you care and you love us so much that you've given us your precious Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in such a way upright before you and righteous to walk in such a way where we lack nothing but we have all with you. Father, we honor you, we love you, and we bless you. Let me ask this question real quick. Is there anybody here this morning that says, Pastor, I don't know who Jesus is and I'm not living right right now. I know that my life isn't living right right now and I wanna get right with Jesus. I always cast the net, guys. If that's you, you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I wanna give my life right with Jesus today. If that's you, good. There's one. Anybody else says, that's me, Pastor. Come on, man, pray for me. Anybody else says, that's me, Pastor. Just pray for me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come on, let's pray. For that one, everyone repeat this after me, please. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. I know that you love me. And so today, I commit everything I am to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate the one? Hallelujah. So Father, I just pray for everybody here. We would go in confidence. We walk in confidence. We walk with you, Jesus. Have your way in our hearts and our lives, Father. Thank you for choosing us to be a resting place of your spirit and of your presence. God, we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.